Hello and welcome back dear listeners to another episode of Self Talk show. I'm your host Mitali Ohri and today we have an incredibly insightful and inspiring guest joining us on the show. But before we dive in, let's take a moment to reflect on the sanctity and beauty of marriage. Marriage is an enduring partnership, a union of hearts and souls, a promise of love, support and growth. It's where joy is multiplied, challenges are faced together, and where love finds its deepest roots. And today, we have the honor of welcoming an extraordinary guest who has dedicated her life to enriching marriages. Bella Rose, the founder of Delight Your Marriage, is here to share her experiences and wisdom on transforming relationships. We will be delving into the remarkable work her organization does focusing on reigniting joy and passion in marriages. Welcome Bella. Hi there. Um my name is Bella Rose and I am the founder of Delight Your Marriage. It's an honor to have you on my podcast. So let's dive into your personal journey a bit. Can you walk us through some of the key moments or experiences in your life that fueled your passion for helping couples rediscover joy and passion in their marriages? Yeah, so I am extremely grateful because um I have learned throughout my life through sufferings. So I am a follower of Jesus Christ and uh, as he is represented in the Bible. And so what God has taught me through my life even in the midst of sufferings and hardships is that he is kind and good and he is with me always. So it all started when my family um really fell into sad times with my father's um suffice it to say bad choices, sad choices. And um really two phenomenal people, my mom and dad, really just wonderful souls, really fun personalities, really cool really cool people but they didn't know how to love each other well they didn't know what it was that they were designed to desire from the other and so my dad was hurting my mom my mom was hurting my dad they didn't realize it but it just got worse and worse and worse until it erupted um over you know 20 plus years into a really really icky painful divorce for everyone so ultimately my um my passion for marriage came from the pain of what could have been in our family but from there i also was uh married young um and uh it ended up being a really hard marriage but again i didn't have great role models i didn't know how to love my husband well and he didn't know how to love me well so again we were just hurting each other um trying to force each other to love us well criticizing controlling um and, and completely not serving and loving each other so that ended up being very um toxic and uh and just really awful and and I ended up ending that marriage so I spent some time fully away from Jesus because I decided you know what the bible is just not right. 
in terms of when it says, you know, save sex for marriage, I'm just like, why? It didn't work out for me when I did. Why do that? And so I went away. I went away from that way and I was promiscuous. Um, But eventually I found out that, wait a second, sex does hurt my heart because it keeps hurting my heart, even though I am, you know, in this hookup culture as though sexual experience doesn't matter. But over and over again, I found out it does matter. And so I decided I wanted somebody who treated me more than just a piece of meat. And my, um, a gentleman I started dating named Darrow, and he was more important than um, just a one-time whatever. But instead, he treated me so kindly, and he was so safe. And God healed so much of my pain and my history through his generous, masculine love for me. He was safe. He didn't treat me poorly. And I treated him in the ways that he feels loved. Um, we weren't doing it God's way, but God had not let me go. And he was He was healing me through that relationship. And because I had such um, significant experience with God when I was young, I knew he was true. And so I wanted to come back to my faith. And so... As we were growing in our relationship, um, we decided to get married. And and after we got married, I felt free to go back to church. Because, again, before that, I, I knew it wasn't the right thing. I was supposed to be married to someone if I was having sex with them. And so, um, and, and really, Jesus talks about it as a protection for the woman. Um, not, not to... Um, box them in, but to make sure that a a woman is taken care of. And Jesus talks about that a lot. So anyway, when we got married, um, it became really clear that uh, sex is so important to a healthy marriage. And and I just wasn't going to uh, be quiet about that any longer. So I uh, decided I was going to write a book to help women like me recognize how important sexual intimacy is. And if you grew up kind of like me in a more conservative way, how do you get free um, in terms of how are you free in intimacy to make your spouse feel loved and and also to bring joy and passion to your own, um, your own self, your own intimacy experiences. And, um, and so that's where it all started. Delight Your Marriage started with me writing a book about it all and uh, and then starting the podcast to interview others and then eventually produce my own content and do coaching and now that's where we are today. We've got coaching programs for men and we have coaching programs for women separately to help each other be trained to love the other spouse well. Bella, listening to your story about your parents' tough divorce and your own journey is incredibly inspiring. The way you have risen from those challenges not just rebuilding your own life, but also guiding others through theirs in their marriages is truly commendable. You have built something remarkable with Delight Your Marriage. How would you describe the core mission and values that guide Delight Your Marriage and its programs? Yeah, our core mission is to help families thrive, to heal marriages that are broken, that are lonely, that are sad, that are hurting. 
and to help people like me who did not have role models learn how to treat their spouse based on the way a woman was designed and the way a man was designed. If you think about going to a party, any party ever, in any culture, I've, I've been exposed to lots of cultures because I live in New York City and my in-laws are of a different culture and um, my first marriage was a different culture. So I've been exposed to a lot of cultures. And you go to any party and eventually the norm will be the men are on one side chatting, the women are another chatting. And it's the crosstalk is not a common thing. Maybe the couples will sit down next to each other and chit-chat, but so often the men will feel connected more so in chit-chat and the women will feel connected more so in chit-chat. I have a phone call with anyone who's gone through puberty and I can tell if they are a man or a woman. When a baby comes out, you can tell if it's a man or a woman. We are so different. Why do we think emotionally we would be the same? So it is absolutely concretely important for a man to be treated a certain way in marriage and a woman to be treated in a certain way in marriage. And so I just find it incredibly important. Look at weddings. In every culture, a woman is dressed a certain way, dramatically opposite to what the husband, the groom is dressed. Every culture. And so I just encourage through Delight Your Marriage, how does a man love a woman and how does a woman love a man so that you are unified connected and you have a heck of a lot of fun in marriage that's really enlightening and i 100% agree with you delight your marriage emphasizes empowering marriages even if only one spouse is initially engaged could you share some success stories that highlight this transformational approach Oh my gosh, the amount of stories I could tell you of when only one spouse does the work. Let me see which one to start with. Okay, a gentleman that I worked with not too long ago um, had been celibate, though married, not wanting to be celibate, but literal zero sex for three years after a, mm, they were probably married at least 25, maybe 30 years. So the last three had been zero. He did the program without her knowing. And by probably week 10, she initiates. After zero intimacy for over three years, she initiates. So what does that show me? It shows me that one partner can do the work, just one. And it wasn't because he was this wildly attractive etc etc it's because he treated her differently he didn't lose any weight he didn't start to exercise he w i mean he looked like a very normal in fact on the side of the spectrum of uh he would not be a model let's stop there um the point is it was the way he changed on the inside and how he treated her and she was attracted to him Another one, uh, I'll go for the wife's side. Um, she's a, a businesswoman, really successful, um, but her marriage was just in shambles. She met and, and married her husband because she just fell so deeply in love with him. He was so good to her and so kind and so generous and wonderful. And then something like flipped when they got married. 
And she um, discovered that he had a very dark fantasy life. And he started getting extremely jealous of her, uh, accusing her of, of, of cheating on him and, um, and, and wanting things in intimacy that were really out there and really um, uh, probably even considered abusive in, in, in that regard. Um, so she decided, you know what, I have to do something. And she, she went to several different marriage places, but they couldn't, they said they couldn't help her if he wasn't involved. And so she just was desperate. Um, and she was really hoping we would take her on, even though her husband was not willing to be part of it. And so after a clarity call, which is what we do with everyone, she, um, we accepted her into the program because we do feel based on an in-depth look at her story that we could help her. So after her three-month program, um, she said she could not believe the transformation. He had repented. He had said he was sorry for what he had put their family through. Their, their home was more peaceful and joyful than ever. People wanted to come over to the house just be, to be around the, the fun and playfulness. Their kids were happier. The businesses, her husband was also an entrepreneur, were thriving. And she was so at peace and happy in their marriage. More fulfilled, she said. More fulfilled than she's ever been in her life. And only she did the work. In fact, he didn't even know she did the work. He didn't even know she did the program. So, yeah, it sounds unbelievable, the transformations. But we have many, many dozens that I encourage you um, Our podcast, Delight Your Marriage, has transformation story after transformation story after transformation story. If you are married, there is hope to turn it around. Your children need parents that love each other. And even if your wife or even if your husband is not interested in changing, you can change and the marriage can transform. Those were some really eye-opening success stories you just shared. How do the values and beliefs of loving God and one's spouse influence the strategies and teachings at Delight Your Marriage? Also, could you elaborate on how biblical principles are woven into the coaching and training programs at Delight Your Marriage? Oh, absolutely. I love God. (laughs) I love the Bible. We are really focused on putting biblical principles into 21st century habits and walking it out in marriage. We really believe that if you don't have the marriage right, you're not in a safe place to love the body of Christ well, which is very scriptural. In in Timothy and in Titus, you're supposed to have your marriage figured out before you are elevated as a leadership role in the church. And so it's really important. It's really important that this is... Marriage is not the goal. Marriage is the healthy vehicle to get um, more aligned with God's will. So I'm very grateful uh, for the opportunity to give people a roadmap of, okay, so it says in the Bible to love one another, confess your sins, pray for one another so you'll be healed. It says avoid, flee from sexual immorality. It says um, do not have strife or quarreling. There are so many guidelines 
So how do we turn that into practical applications? And so that's what we do with, with habits, because really you're only as good as your habits. If you have a habit of sitting on the couch and watching TV, okay, you're the kind of person who watches TV and sits on the couch, right? Instead of, are you someone, and you know, maybe you're watching great things and maybe it's not very frequent or maybe, you know, I'm not trying to judge your, your habits there necessarily, but if it's a constant and if it's an all day thing, then yeah, maybe that's something you want to look at a little more carefully. Or if it's a consistent thing, is it the way that you want to be living your life? Is it the way you want um, you know, if you think about your obituary at the end of your life, uh, what do you want it to say? It's going to be based on what you did day in and day out and day in and day out and who your closest people knew you were. That's who you are. And so, um, you know, we really are focused on living out the principles in the Bible and giving you the tools step by step by step starting with forgiveness, forgiving your spouse. Um, that's what Jesus did for us. He forgave us first. And that's the first step in our journey with Jesus. So it's vital. It's vital to do it Jesus' way and to witness God do incredible things. I really love your answer. So beautiful. In your experience, what are some common challenges couples face when trying to reignite passion and purpose in their marriage? And how does Delight Your Marriage address these challenges? Oh, this is such a great question. I would say the biggest challenges um, are not knowing how to love a man if you're a wife and not knowing how to love a woman if you're a husband. Not knowing what each other needs. And again, with not having good role models, how could you know what each other needs? So let me just tell you the, the bare bones delight your marriage framework, which is what a husband needs. Let's start with women. What a wife needs to feel loved is safe. Safety. She needs to feel safe. She needs a man who's trustworthy. She's not going to feel safe with someone who's not trustworthy in the private. She needs to trust him. So safety, known that he cares to know who she is. He cares about her heart. He knows her passions and her, her interests and her likes and dislikes, and he knows her. Final one, wholeheartedly cherished. Oh, does he adore this woman. He chose, she, he, he, he chooses to be enamored by her day in and day out. Yeah, it's a choice, but it's real. <laughs> It's a choice to have the attitude of adoration and excitement to be with her. And that's all the chick flick kind of romance and surprises and gifts and things like that. So that's um, for a wife to feel delighted in her marriage. So for a husband to feel delighted in his marriage, um, he needs respect, uh, which maybe sounds antiquated and even oppressive in the way our world is set up right now uh, or our world thinks about things right now but um, no I don't mean oppressive I mean just flat out respect don't tell him what to do <laughs> we just we just don't need to command anyone around much less our husbands uh, I don't think we would like it if the husband commanded the wife around either but it turns out in our society right now more women are commanding their husbands around and it's it's sad. And I have been there, which is why I know it so well. And I didn't realize it 
telling him what to do, criticizing him, correcting him in public, making him feel like an idiot to others, only giving him negative feedback, and in fact, feedback on every little thing he does, asking him to do it differently each time. Like, why? We don't need to tell him those things. We can just be grateful for what he does, and that would actually inspire him to do more. Because unfortunately, when we correct and criticize and control, our husbands feel like, well, nothing I do is ever going to be good enough, so why try? Why try? And he becomes apathetic, or he becomes angry, or both, vacillating between the two. Okay, so respect, admiration, that's the kind of other aspect that, again, seems old-fashioned. It's not. He is designed to want you to be excited to be with him. I mean, that was a natural thing when uh, a man and woman are dating. She's like, oh, he's so funny and he's so handsome and I like his broad shoulders. And, you know, it was just overflowing because she thought about the good in him. And so that's what I encourage a wife to think about is focus on the good. Yes, of course, there's bad. That's normal. We've got problems too, but think about the good things of your man and tell him about that. But it starts with your focus. If you're focusing on how he's failing, that's what you're going to say. But if you're focusing on how he's winning, then he'll be inspired to do more of that. Final thing is uh, wholehearted sexual intimacy. This is a major part of our work because it's not spoken enough anywhere um, in a healthy, God-centered and honoring way and and practically enough. But um, wholehearted is the key. It's not just have sex with your husband because you have to. It's enjoy the gift of intimacy with your husband. It's God-ordained, God-designed, and it changes things in your relationship. It's incredibly scientifically (laughs) good for your body in terms of chemicals being released and stress hormones being suppressed and all of that good. But It's impossible as a couple for you not to realize after sexual intimacy, your home is more at peace. You're more connected. You're more in love. Your children have a safer environment. Your husband's more patient as a father. It is a grace that a wife can give her husband, but it is not a duty. Maybe it starts as a choice because you as a wise wife know that sex is important, but after that choice is made you change your attitude to wholehearted and joyful and grateful that god made this gift for you and if you're too busy that means you're too busy for god's will because you raised your hand and said i want to get married you didn't have to i didn't have to in fact paul says stay single you can do more for the kingdom of god because if you get married you're going to have to start thinking about how to please your spouse He says that. People who get married are going to have trouble. Okay, too late. You got married. (laughs) In that case, take responsibility and make sure your marriage is healthy. And sexual intimacy is required for a healthy marriage. And it's not just sexual intimacy, but wholehearted sexual intimacy for a marriage to thrive and for both of you to be delighted. So you've got to be less busy. You've got to not be into perfectionism. You can't be obsessed with beauty because you can't be perfect in the bedroom. You need the lights on. You need to be excited to be there. All of it. 
You gotta push all your insecurities out of your mind. You gotta have a playful atmosphere in the home, relaxed, because sex is awkward a lot of times and embarrassing a lot of times. But if you're safe with each other because it's playful and good outside of the bedroom, then inside of the bedroom, it's not scary and embarrassing. Instead, it's playful and fun inside of the bedroom too. A lot of what happens in a marriage um, is outside of the bedroom impacts inside of the bedroom and inside of the bedroom impacts outside of the bedroom. Um, but as a wife, if you want your husband delighted and ultimately you will be delighted as well, wholehearted sexual intimacy. So those are the common challenges and some some really important insights that I hope uh, you'll even re-listen to and take notes so you can get better. Well, thank you for sharing those insightful challenges that couples face. For couples struggling with maintaining intimacy, what practical advice or tips can you offer to help them on their journey? Absolutely. So about 80% of couples are in the category of um, men having the stronger drive than their wives. And so um, I even think the, the um, percentage is probably higher because what I have found is the men that don't express interest in intimacy, sometimes they just don't like that their wives are controlling and disrespectful. And so they don't even approach their wives for intimacy. And so the point is, I'm going to assume, for the sake of even just statistically speaking, the majority of husbands are interested in sex more than their wives. Because what usually happens, this is normal. So this is important to know that you're normal. Usually what happens is a wife is really interested in sex before marriage. And then for the first couple of years, and then it dies down. Her desire dies down. In fact, after kids, it's like a take it or leave it kind of thing. In fact, maybe she would be fine without having sex for the rest of her life because kids are a full-time emotional and physical labor, constant. The kids are asking for her all the time. Um, even full-time working moms. Yes, the, the kids still want all your attention. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just the way they are. They just love you so much. And so the practical advice I would say is women's bodies work like this. You decide to make love and then your body follows. You decide first. And so what I don't do is I don't sit on the couch and say, do I feel like making love? Nah. And I eat another potato chip. <laughs> I don't do that. I will never feel like making love because that's not what it comes down to. What it comes down to is what's most important to my family. And the best thing I can do for my family, my kids, is for them to have an incredible marriage to witness. Because when my husband and I are unified and enjoying each other's company, having a great time just being together, laughing, playful, all that, my kids feel safe. There's not arguing, there's not strife, there's not tension. My kids can relax and be themselves. My father is, sorry, their father is more kind and, and relaxed too. And so am I. And so instead of saying, do I feel like making love? I say, how do I get myself to feel like making love? And I have kind of a ticker in my head 
of how often I need that or we need that. And uh, it's not it's not every day, but maybe it's every other or every three days or, you know, on a very busy thing every four. But I, I really, I try to get to the zone of how do I get myself to feel like making love? And it's not easy. And sometimes you're going to have to get to, uh, you're going to have a process and a journey with this. And there's going to be seasons though, after you start this commitment to making love has to start with the commitment. And after a while, you can get all sorts of cool techniques and things like that to actually get to a space where you enjoy it and you crave it. But it doesn't start from sitting on the couch, eating a potato chip saying, do I feel like it? I'm not saying potato chips or couches are wrong. I'm just saying we can't be lazy about this. Marriages end in divorce if either couple is lazy. Sorry, either person is lazy. It doesn't mean that just one of you can't change it. You can. But your proactivity will influence your spouse to be proactive too. I've just seen it too many times. It does happen many, many times over. So I would invite you to take 100% of responsibility for your marriage. So if you're a wife, that was my advice for you. For If you're a husband, my advice for you is to be the best man ever that you can possibly be for her. Be safe. Be a man of the word. You will be changed on the inside when you get into the Bible every day. And it doesn't mean you need to, you know, spend two hours in scripture. It just means at least one verse. And it's got to be a physical Bible because you're not going to fall in love with the word of God any other way. You need a physical Bible that you open and you flip around. It's fine. Just somewhere in the New Testament, usually that's that's an easy way to just flip into something and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize it said that. And you think about it a little bit. There's lots of other things. I, I would also invite you to um, both husbands and wives to write gratitudes about each other every single day. Every single day. Five at least. Five about life and five about your spouse. Because when you start looking at your spouse differently, you start acting differently towards them. You start um, coming to them with a different attitude. And as I mentioned before, forgiveness has to come first. Otherwise, you're still going to be bitter and resentful. But that's Jesus' way. They need a fresh start in your heart. And it will also give you energy to start serving them first. Communication is often hailed as the bedrock of strong marriages. How does Delight Your Marriage encourage couples to communicate openly and effectively with each other? Yes, communication is often hailed as the bedrock of strong marriages. That's good. Um, But I would almost challenge the notion of openness is the best policy. Often we say honesty is the best policy and you always need to be honest. And the truth is, yes, you need to be honest, but... I would invite you to consider the difference between openness and honesty. Because if I'm 100% open with my spouse, I'm going to tell him about the um, wall color and that I'm a little chilly at 1034 in the morning and that I spelled the typo wrong on the email I sent to 5,000 people. I'm I'm just being silly, but the, the point is, Everything in our lives is not shared with our spouse. It's not. Now, am I honest with him with what I am sharing? Yes. But I think we need to be wisely open with our spouse based on our relationship with them. 
for a 10 out of 10 in marital health, which you can take the marital health assessment at delightyourmarriage.com health. And what that will do is actually help you to see how healthy your marriage is or is not and and what strategically you can do next. And then we send you some free resources, etc. But uh, based on your number. But the point is, if you're 2 out of 10 in marital health, to get to a 3 out of 10 or a 4 out of 10, you need to focus on the good and only share the good. It doesn't mean there aren't bad things. It just means it's not going to help you move the ball forward and get a healthier marriage if you just complain and share all the critical and the negative and the bad. Now, it's still honest. You're still honestly sharing the honest good. But if you can't see it, it's because you're not focused on it. It's there. There is good that your spouse is doing. If they died right now, there are things you would miss. It's just true. So I would say... Just plain old communication is not what we're looking for. I'm saying wisely open based on what's going to move the ball forward in where you are today in your marital health. Be strategic. Heal this thing. You spend so much effort on on impressing your boss and your boss is going to change. You might change careers. You might do all sorts of, I mean, think about how careful you are to go to the right college and do the right this and that. And yet no one impacts your level of feeling around life more than your intimate relationship. The most stressful things, according to um, a very widely uh, revered study that I can't think of the name of right now, but the most stressful things you can experience in your life, number one is death of a spouse or a child. And number two, divorce. It's the top, most stressful things. And so your intimate relationships should take precedence. And you should spend money learning about it. And you should spend effort. And you should do it wrong sometimes and get better and look silly and do something that's out of your comfort zone. Because it can only get healed if you try something other than what you have done before. So I would say be wisely open Don't be lazily open about everything and say, I just am being honest. Be honest. Don't be open about everything. Otherwise, your marriage will not get better. So true. I'm curious about the team at Delight Your Marriage. Could you introduce us to a team member whose personal transformation through your programs has left a lasting impact on you? Yeah, I would love to share with you Darcy's story. Um, And I think it's definitely worth listening to what she has to say. And she's been the office manager for over two years now. She's just incredible. Um, And it's sustained. Her her marriage has been sustained and incredibly positive for her life and her kids and all that she does by God's grace. Definitely. Let's get inspired by Darcy and her story. Being the office manager at DYM has been so wonderful. Like, it's, I feel like God has placed me in this place and prepared me all of my life for this place. And to, to work with Bella and to work with couples and watch what's happening in people's marriages is just so amazing and fulfilling. You know, it's a work that the Holy Spirit's involved in. It's, he's active here. And we're seeing miracles in people's marriages. I've, I've experienced miracles in my marriage. And I've seen team members that have miracles in their marriages. And it's just amazing. And my husband and I have never been happier. I mean, it's the best our 
who's ever been and we've we've had a good marriage so it's that's saying something prior to dym i would have ranked our marriage high i probably would have said eight or nine and now that i've experienced dym um the scale is different <laughs> yeah we went off the scale <laughs> before dym my perspective about sexual intimacy with my husband was horrible it was a burden I tried to avoid it. If I saw him coming across the room out of the corner of my eye and I could tell there was something on his mind, I would do anything to divert his attention. And after listening to the podcast and whatnot about, you know, God made us this way. God made me in this way. He made women the way he made us. I had to ask God to forgive me for that too, because here I'm seeing a gift that he has given us as a burden and a cross in there. I mean, oh my goodness. That's just sad. When I was very convicted of that, um, to the point that I was in tears. I mean, it really hit me in the heart to, to know that I had been inadvertently hurting him all those years. Because he would say, I wish you liked me. And I just didn't know what he was meaning behind what he was saying. What do you mean? I treat you well. I take care of you. I, I'm nice. I'm respectful. You're, you know, we get along. I, I didn't understand. The piece that was missing was that wholehearted part. And I didn't know how to change that. Even if I knew it, I didn't know how to change it. So after hearing your podcast and, and recognizing, okay, so that is what he's talking about when he says, I wish you liked me. So I went home was determined that I was going to initiate and do the best I could at being wholehearted. And I just admitted to him that I realized that I was not fulfilling that need for him and asked him to forgive me. And I told him that if I knew how to fix it, I would. And holy cow, Holy Spirit hit me hard and I was instantly changed. I had a sex appetite for, for like, I don't know, it was at least three days that the sexual appetite was off the charts, unbelievable. It was not normal. I felt like I was <laughs> out of my body. <laughs> and I, looking back, I think it might have been how men feel about wanting physical, wholehearted intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so it made me understand just how much of a force this is to be reckoned with with our husbands. And I just was like, Wow, no wonder why guys have affairs. No wonder why guys get into porn. If they don't have an outlet for that, that's really hard. And I've tried to think about other things that I really desire. If you put them all together in one basket, it doesn't even come close. We think of food and water as a need, and that is a need. And a guy's not going to die without it. But I'll tell you, it's pretty close to a need. Um, I would think that I would think that a lot of guys would rather go without food for a while than that. And I'm working on some of the courses. I'm not, I haven't done all of them. So I'm looking for this 10 to just keep climbing. And my husband just did the MR program, Masculinity Reclaimed. He's loving me in ways that matter to me more. Just learning to love my husband well. I mean, he's blossomed. He, I mean, he's just a freer, happier, more contented, just filled up man. So that means that he is freer and and more able to bless people around him. And I have seen that. I mean, he's just, he's flourishing. I'm flourishing. When you look back and you see those moments that your life changed forever. And as I look back on my life, delay marriage is one of the big ones. Like 
getting saved, that's a big one. Getting married, that's a big one. Having your children, that's a big one. But when I can say that delay your marriage is one of them, it has had a profound impact. And like, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I have come a long way, <laughs> a long way. So, and it's just, uh, I just encourage you to dig in, do the work, ask God. You know, you gotta have God. You can't, you can't, none of us can change without God. He's, he's the power source. Here I am, an office manager at Delight Your Marriage, and he's redeeming all of that pain. You know, that struggle that, that I had personally. Now I get to tell other people, here's the answer. It's like, you know, when you're a Christian and you want to share your faith with people, it's like, why can't I just make you understand? And it's that way with DYM, with couples. It's like, if you're married, you need DYM in your life. There's so many people that I've tried to get to take the course with, like, please, just do it. Just do it. You'll be so glad you did. <laughs> Wasn't that empowering, dear listeners? In a culture where sexual intimacy is often portrayed in a distorted manner, how does Delight Your Marriage guide couples to navigate these influences while upholding their values and beliefs? Absolutely. So again, we use the Bible as our guide book for life, and we don't perceive the Bible as a killjoy. Um, what we do perceive the Bible as is something that is meant to tell us how to live, how he designed us, and what's really going to be the best for all involved. And so having sexual intimacy within limits um, is safer for families, for wives. And, um, and what are those boundaries? There's actually not a whole lot in terms of if it's in your marriage, if it's between a husband and a wife in a long, lifelong commitment, marriage, it's on the table. It's on the table. Variety, passion, fierceness, slowness, meditative, spiritual. I mean, it's there. It's there for you. And so the main thing is if it's in your mind, in your what you look at, what you think about, uh, what you do, all of that is within your marriage, just between husband and wife, it's on the table. Meaning that obviously pornographic material is not available, right? Involving another person is not okay. But if it's between you and your spouse and you want to wear some fancy lingerie or do some interesting position or have some sex toys, it's allowed. It's allowed. So um, uphold your values and beliefs by staying within those boundaries, but then enjoy. Don't add to what the Bible already has. Because the thing is, I don't know if you've recently had, I don't know, ice cream. Have you recently eaten ice cream or, I don't know, a chocolate bar? They didn't have those in Bible times. And, and there is nothing that says... You can't have ice cream. So why add a rule? We don't add rules and make them spiritually whatever uh, unless it's in the Bible. That's the problem with the Pharisees. They were adding scripture. We don't need to add scripture. Those are our guidelines. Those are our rules. And then we have freedom within it. So you can have the ice cream as long as you're not given to gluttony. Right? We know that. But you have the ice cream. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> That's how a lot of 
the intimacy things that people have questions about, my answer is don't add to the Bible. It's clear that it's just between husband and wife, but after that, have some fun. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are gaining a sense of clarity and may consider reaching out to their partners following your advice. Creating a sense of community and support is vital. Can you recall a story where Delight Your Marriage community played a pivotal role in a couple's life, providing the support and encouragement they needed during a challenging time? I would say every single person we work with requires the community that we have at Delight Your Marriage. It's a vital importance to every person's life. We can't be changing in a vacuum. We need the encouragement of others. It's, we'll get burnt out, we'll get tired, we'll get embarrassed and we'll stop. We have to have somebody praying for us, encouraging us, saying, don't give up. It's worth it. And I think that's why, uh, you know, I. this is just my hunch. I think why weddings um, became very community oriented, where you have everyone that you love there, is because marriage isn't a cakewalk. It's not easy. And so you need the most help you can get. So everyone in your community is on your side, rooting for your marriage to continue. We need community to make sure this thing lasts and is healthy and good. So I just highly recommend anyone listening, don't do marriage by yourself. Sin will overtake you, whether it's selfishness or whether it's a sexual addiction. Don't do it by yourself. Get people wise people in the light with you. Obviously, we have the tools here at Delight Your Marriage. We've developed the community of extremely safe men and women in separate communities, men in their own community, women in their own community. But do not let yourself be out on an island suffering alone. You will fall. That is not what Jesus invites us to. He left people in a church. The disciples, there were many we're not meant to be alone. Even in, in Proverbs, it says, he who isolates himself is not wise and rages against all sound judgment. Don't isolate yourself. Don't do that. So yeah, community is vital. I, I don't think I could give you a story where it's it, a success story where it has not played a role. In fact, the ones who don't succeed are generally ones who never uh, tapped into it because they didn't want to be vulnerable or they didn't take the time or whatever, whatever. No, it's incredibly, incredibly important. Great question. As a leader and coach, it's undoubtedly a balancing act. How do you personally strike that balance between your commitment to delight your marriage and your own marriage and personal life? This is wonderful. What a great question. Yeah, so I would say um, it is of paramount importance that my marriage be is before delight your marriage. Um, the most important thing, and I'm sure it's a paradigm you haven't, this isn't the first time you've heard it, but the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what Jesus said was most important. So I love God first and in in incomparably <laughs> more than anyone else, including my husband. Then I love my husband next. 
love your neighbor as yourself. And so we have to prioritize our neighbors because we are connected to just about every person on the planet. We could find them somehow. We could fly around the world, get on Facebook, <laughs> I don't know, figure out, get connected to everyone. We can't love everyone. We have to prioritize. Even Jesus, when he was praying in Gethsemane, about to go to the cross, he said, I'm not praying for the whole world, but praying for the ones you have given me. Jesus limited himself based on his assignment. And so you must limit yourself based on your assignment. So I know I'm assigned to my husband. I know he's my highest priority human assignment. My kids, they're next. Why are my kids not first? Well, my kids are second to my husband because if I don't have a, a wonderfully healthy, loving relationship with my husband, my kids will suffer. I mean, how many kids suffer in divorce? It's the kids that lose. So I must prioritize my spouse first so then my kids are well loved and taken care of by me and by my husband. And so that those two have to be in first in proper order first and second number three i think delight your my marriage sorry i think delight your marriage <laughs> you know the name of the organization i run um i think that is my calling and what god wants me to do at least in this season but i'm not a hundred percent sure it's discernment i know it's my husband and my kids everything else is i think why do I say it that way? Your, even your ministry, your sweat and blood, whatever it is you do on a day job, anything, you're not sure that that's your assignment. That's something you've got to discern season by season. God might decide he's going to take you away from that for a while or totally or whatever. There was a six month season that I gave up to light your marriage. There's a, an episode that I even had. I don't know if I'm coming back to this. And so I, do, I think, just so you know, I think I, 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 I do. I really do think that this is where God wants me. But the point of the matter is I absolutely cannot change the priority. It's my husband, then my kids, then everything else. Because you and I have both heard too many men, women of God fall because they prioritized the ministry above their family. And things got really out of whack. And when I say above their family, even above the sexual union of the husband and the wife, because then there was sexual sin elsewhere. And I don't mean, let me just be clear, I'm not saying that it was the wife's fault that the husband fell. That's not even what I'm saying. Solomon had lots of wives. David had lots of wives. Samson had, I don't know, I'm sure he had access to lots of <laughs> women. I'm pretty sure that was his story. They all fell because of sex. It wasn't the wives fault that they fell, but they were not living in some level of accountability with others so that they would not fall. Their family was not prioritized. Their relationship, the fidelity to their marriage was not prioritized. It's not easy, but it's required. And those, that has to be before even your children and before even your ministry, work, neighbors, extended family, anything else, your marriage has to be first. So if I don't live that way, then I should never be talking to you. 
and I am not willing for the name of Jesus to be soiled because of my lack of priorities. It's laziness and it's pride. So if you're listening to my voice, prioritize your life properly. It's God, then it's your spouse. And I love the phrase, hard choices, easy life. Easy choices, hard life. It's the hard choices, day by day, of putting my husband first, putting his needs and desires above mine. And my goodness, he responds the same way and we enjoy each other's company. But it's just like going to the gym. It's not fun. There's so many times I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna exercise. But I have a lot more energy if I do the hard thing. I feel better, I'm healthier, I'm uh, got a better um, mindset. The, like there's so many benefits to exercise, endorphins, I feel better. But it was hard. Hard choices, easy life. Easy choices, hard life. If I didn't exercise or if I didn't do da 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 da, then we get in a real bad spot. So I want to challenge and invite all of us to stand up. If you're a woman, if you're a man, to decide you're not going to fall the way the enemy wants you to fall. Whether it's self-centeredness and not wanting to love your spouse well, or whether it's some significant sin you need to find a brother to confess your sins to so you can be prayed for and you humble yourself and you get healed. God needs warriors who are not so prideful that they're going to pretend they're not falling in this area. And if you're a woman, be a warrior in your way. God used Esther to change the heart of a king. And she did it because she was strategic and wise. Let me pray for you. God, whoever this person is that's listening, um, you know them and you love them. And if there was one element of this conversation they needed to hear, oh, Father, would you let it sink in? Would you let them turn to you? And if they have never surrendered their life to you, Jesus, today is the day you have been after them their whole life. Or if they turned away from you for a season, for any reason, this is the moment. This is the time. And I just invite you, if you're in that space, to surrender your life to Jesus. He wants to have that relationship with you. So if you would repeat after me, Lord, Jesus, I believe in you. I surrender my life to you. You are my king. And I repent of the evil I have done or seen. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come into my life even now and help me to follow you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So if you are a believer um, of Jesus and a longtime follower, um, I just invite you, have a physical Bible, start reading it every day, just one verse. Um, and if you're brand new, and maybe you just said that prayer and now Jesus is your king and you surrender your life. Okay, find out how to do that by buying a physical Bible, and getting involved in a church that believes the physical Bible that you just bought. <laughs> and they can love you and they can help you as you grow. People are not going to be perfect, even in the, whatever church you find. They're not. Um, but they are, if, if you find one that's specifically following the Bible, the Word of God, uh, you know, 
shop around a little bit till you get one that really is following the Bible um, and, uh, and learn because he loves you. And it's this book that we have that describes who he is and who he says he is. So God bless you. I'm so grateful that you uh, listened to me. Um, and if we can help you at all, you can go to delightyourmarriage.com cc and uh, get on a call with one of our incredibly compassionate with a clarity advisor and, um, and they can hear your story and see, see if we can help you. God bless you. Wow. I am mesmerized with all of your insights, answers, and everything. And that wraps up our enriching conversation with Bella, the inspiring founder of Delight Your Marriage. I'm sure you have found her insights and experiences as illuminating as I have. It's incredible how her work at Delight Your Marriage is fostering transformations in relationships and marriages, one partnership at a time. Thank you, Bella, for sharing your wisdom, stories, and guidance on reigniting passion and joy in marriages. Your dedication to helping couples navigate the beautiful journey of marriage is truly commendable. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback helps in delivering more thought-provoking content to you. Remember, Love and connection are the pillars of a thriving relationship. Join me next time as I bring you more stories, insights and discussions that matter. Thank you.